Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Texas Governor Abbott finally declares an invasion at the southern border. Kelsey Bolar of the Independent Women's Forum and Independent Women's Voice, I believe is going to join us for having technical difficulties, uh, but related to gender transition and the brilliant work by Independent Women's Forum on that topic. Arizona's Carrie Lake defeated? Uh, I don't think so. Not so fast. And finally, Biden's Asian summit communist stunt. You won't believe this. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. You may have heard in the great state of Texas just today, the Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott, announced that he was declaring an invasion at our southern border. And I will tell you that this is uh, great news, of course. And if you're thinking, didn't he do that a few months ago? No, he didn't. He did a, you know, like a fake, a, ha- a fake declaration where he kind of said, we don't really like this at all, but didn't actually use the constitutional power he had to declare an invasion. And this really is not just a a statement of annoyance over the southern border being so open, but actually gives extended legal powers to the state of Texas, something that he's been urged to do for months and months and months, and which Carrie Lake the uh, would-be governor of Arizona promised she would do on day one when she was elected. But this increased power for the uh, state of Texas, now that this formal declaration has been made, um, includes the following things. He can deploy the National Guard to safeguard the border to repel and turn back immigrants trying to cross the border illegally. He can deploy the Texas Department of Public Safety, DPS, to arrest and return to the border immigrants who crossed illegally and deploy DPS to arrest illegal immigrants for criminal activity. He can build a border wall in multiple counties on the border, deploy gunboats to secure the border, designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, enter into a compact with other states to secure the border, enter into agreements with foreign powers to enhance border security and provide resources for border counties to increase their efforts to respond to the border invasion. This declaration was made under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. This was a power Greg Abbott, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas, has had for ever ever since he's been governor, which has been a really long time, um, and did never use as the border situation got worse and worse. A lot of speculation. He kind of wanted to wait to win um, his primary or win the general election. We had, of course, elections last week. He was reelected uh, as governor and then using it now. So, um, and actually Article 4, Section 4 says, the U.S. shall guarantee every state in the union a Republican form of government and protect each of them against invasion. I'm saying all this to say this is a great step. I think it probably is accurate that Governor Abbott waited till after the election last week to make sure he won re-election and didn't repel certain, he probably worried about some segments of the voters in Texas, but this is a good step. Now the next step is to hold him accountable that he actually does something, that we actually don't let this 
be the big headline and news news headlines and news coverage and praises and lauds, you know, and but he actually does something which actually means doing the uh, taking the steps he's able to do. Because right now in Texas, and if you live in any of the border states, but especially Texas, you're aware of this. The border is completely open, as they say so often on this show, but it has endangered Texas citizens, the Texas community, and it sends a signal to the world that America is really on board, really, truly on board with the idea that we don't really care that much for a sovereign nation. If you don't enforce your border, you're essentially not a country. That, that's what is the definition of a country is you have geographic borders that you enforce since the Biden administration and as previously under the Obama administration for eight years of Obama. And then actually this being the third term of the Obama administration, even though the figurehead leader is uh, President Biden, this is we have an ongoing destruction of America as a sovereign nation, evidenced in part by the uh, just complete collapse of border security. So this is a great step. I think if Carrie Lake can win out this battle in Arizona, which, yes, I know that they have tried to declare the um, what's her name, Katie Hobbs, as the winner, but I still think it's not over. In any case, uh, this is a kind of step needed in America not just to send the signal to those who wander across the southern border of America daily into Texas, which include not just the nice, sweet moms and children who need jobs, but we're talking about drug smugglers, sex traffickers, cartel members, jihadists who intend to bring jihad to America. We're talking about a range of wildly dangerous people. So it's a message, at least from Texas, that we actually may start enforcing our border. But it's also a message to the Biden administration that the southern states run by the Republicans are not going to any longer allow this utter abandonment of the United States of America at the hands of the Biden administration. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. We had scheduled today, and I don't know what's happening. I'm sure we um, we're going to find out shortly, but uh, we had scheduled um, a wonderful guest joining us, uh, and her name is Kelsey Bolar. She's with both the Independent Women's Forum, Independent Women's Voice. And while we're waiting to see if we do connect with her, um, I want to tell you that tease a couple shows. These are actually extremely consequential shows we have coming up in just the next few weeks. So tomorrow on this show, live and in studio, we'll have Dr. Simone Gold. She is, of course, a you know the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, one of the bravest doctors in America who spoke up very early on during the COVID, um, what didn't need to be a crisis, the COVID episode in America, where we had the government shutting down life and we had the government saying nothing was um, available, no existing medications could be repurposed to treat COVID when in fact many medications that are commonly available, patents expired, so they're not expensive, were very effective at treating COVID. She founded America's Frontline Doctors to stand up against the biomedical industry, pharmaceutical and uh, national government, FDA, CDC, NIH, um, you know, it's kind of like the expression uses the say the military industrial complex. Well, those entities I just mentioned are kind of the healthcare complex in America. They were shutting down uh, Americans' access to information about um, effective treatments related to COVID. She also, in that same thing, and founding that organization, um, was saying, you know, hold on here about the vaccines and the more information that came out about the COVID vaccines. Uh, brave doctors were speaking up. She was a leader of that and is a leader of that. She also has um, brought on board by this point thousands of doctors, actually people who went to med medical school 
and learned how to practice medicine and then practice medicine and treated people, brought those people on board with America's Frontline Doctors. She also was active on January 6th. She was invited to Washington. You know the story. She went to Washington at the invitation. I'm not sure of whose invitation, but was asked to speak at that January 6th rally in 2021. Didn't get to do that because the rally broke up early. She went over to the Capitol and made a speech there inside the Capitol, hurting no one, breaking nothing, threatening no one, literally walked in the Capitol because the doors were being held open by the Capitol Police, read her little speech in the rotunda, a place where millions of Americans have been, and then walked back out. And for that, she spent 46 days in a maximum security prison in Florida because of our judicial system treating her like a criminal, which she isn't. In any case, Dr. Simone Gold, who has joined us on the show numerous times, and she spoke at our recent summit, will be joining me tomorrow talking about what's happening with America's frontline doctors. They've actually had a, a kind of a... Um, an intruder into that organization who got a role on the board and has started to create uh, the effort to uh, not only oust her, but accuse her of wrongdoing, uh, serious wrongdoing. So this allegation has been made by this guy, a lawyer um, who got into the midst of the America's Frontline Doctors Organization. He, the lawyer now being investigated and actually has been accused by the Nevada State Bar of some wrongdoing. In any case, uh, she's going to come on and tell you what's really happening. These are really uh, consequential times because this is really, this is uh, a national hero on the subject of health care and on the subject of, uh, she's a lawyer also of January 6th of the rule of law, coming on to talk about really what her experience is, which is a continued assault by establishment characters using various tactics to shut her down, to shut American doctors down. Um, and so it's gonna be just a, a fabulous program tomorrow. You don't wanna miss that. And then we have our Thursday shows. If you're just tuning in for the first time to this show, in our Thursday shows, we have unique and wonderful opportunity. Each week on Thursdays, we have an in-studio audience in our Dallas, our main Dallas studio, and we have great guests join us for a full one-hour interview on those Thursdays. And so we have on this uh, coming Thursday, we have Kevin Freeman, who's an extraordinary, uh, he's a host of a podcast, he's an author, he's an internationally uh, known economist, uh, trusted at the highest levels of government, given information uh, to our own government on the subject of economic issues. His podcast is called Economic War Room. He's just a brilliant guy. He's going to come on and talk about uh, the FTX and Ukraine issue, um, the I was thinking it's all a bunch of acronyms, the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency issue, the ESG issue, and the entire essentially compromising of America's free market economy by, and freedom of the American people by all sorts of ideas spewing out of the anti-American left. So we've got some great, great stuff coming up. Dr. Simone Gold um, tomorrow and Kevin Freeman on Thursday. And then the following Thursday is Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday of the year. So the following Thursday is Thanksgiving. And then the one after that, the Thursday after that, the first Thursday in December, which happens to be December 1st, we have Dr. Kelly Ward joining us. She is the chair of the Arizona GOP, and Arizona has been ground zero, ground zero of election fraud in this most recent uh, 2022 midterm elections. We had just uh, the latest announcement made last night that the uh, they're finally done counting all the votes in this Maricopa County area. And so they now have um, claiming that Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state whose responsibility it was to enforce fair elections, 
So she's in charge of her own election, which, by the way, is, is, is an enormous uh, conflict of interest. But she, Katie Hobbs, has allegedly been elected governor uh, by percentage point, literally 50.1 to 49.9 is the alleged uh, difference between them. Um, and obviously, uh, amazing level of shenanigans uh, bordering on shenanigans could be too fun, like, you know, kids fooling around a swimming pool and splashing each other. I don't mean shenanigans. I mean, outrageous uh, incompetence at the very least and poor behavior by the Arizona election officials, especially in Maricopa County. Uh, many people, we'll get to this a little later in the show, people in Arizona are calling already for a new election, just saying this was the most absurd, unfair, ridiculous election. So Carrie Lake was going to be, um, Would I, I actually, I will say, I'm, I'm sure Carrie Lake won. I feel 100% sure she won. I think there is massive election fraud in this country, including in that one. So that, our guest on that first Thursday in December, December 1st, uh, is Dr. Kelly Ward, who is a medical doctor, but also is the chair of the Arizona GOP, a great friend of the show, been on many times, going to be talking to us about the latest, the then latest um, in um, Arizona. So that's what we have coming. Amazing stuff coming up on America Can We Talk, uh, just the next few weeks. So um, I'm going to just launch in and tell you why I invited Kelsey Bowler on the show. Um, I don't know what's happening to them and I can't quite get to my email while I'm talking with you, but I do want to tell you that um, there are two organizations or sister organizations, um, Independent Women's Forum and Independent Women's Voice. And so those organizations um, are uh, based back east, and they are really designed to be, they're, they're 501c3, 501c4, they're nonpartisan, but they basically are all about bringing the idea of speaking to women and issues related to women on a broad range. You know, when leftists say women's issues, all they really mean is abortion, it's all they mean. But when this is a group of extremely intelligent, experienced policy analysis, serious thinkers, bringing the issues of the day to America um, on issues that particularly affect women. They've been wonderful speaking up about the absurdity of letting men compete in women's sports. Uh, you know, they've just been wonderful on a whole host of issues. What we're going to be talking about today, and we'll see if we get her. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with them, but uh, in the meantime, uh, while I'm not sure we'll get her, um, I want to just, so Kelsey Bolar, her title, she's a senior policy analyst at Independent Women's Forum and Independent Women's Voice. Uh, she's very accomplished. She's an editor of Bright, a morning newsletter for women. Um, she's a, a contributor to The Federalist, senior fellow at Steamboat Institute, frequent guest on Fox. So she's you know, very prominent, very successful. One thing she did, uh, which I was going to focus on today, I'm still going to do a little bit of, and we'll see if we get her, but she has done an amazing, amazing, amazing series of videos, of stories, talking about transgenderism. And they, she called it, her documentary series called Identity Crisis. It tells the stories of minors struggling with gender identity in the age of gender ideology, their parents, and their later, later struggles as they detransition. And why I'm so grateful for this is that, you know, you can have a lot of, there are advocates around the country speaking up about the transgender lunatic craze or fab that has just captured the imagination of America, captured the, you know, the people thinking that somehow in America, all of a sudden we woke up and half the country was born in the wrong body. And, you know, especially if you're under 30, you're probably not really the gender that your anatomy and biology and DNA say that you are. And so we've had this transgender craziness uh, just kind of take over America and especially in the public schools and the roles of the public schools and having um, young people just um, 
you know, young people just smitten by it and not just smitten by it, but encouraged by teachers, encouraged by school officials, and often encouraged by those teachers and school officials not to tell their parents that they are at school talking about, I know that my body says I'm a girl, but I think I'm a guy or vice versa. And so you've had this ideological, psychological assault on young people trying to convince them instead of working through their issues as many people, and much of this starts by the way, at the junior high school years where every honest person will tell you, junior high school years, middle school years, they're tough. They're tough. You're growing into adulthood. You have a lot of issues socially. You start to recognize there's such a thing as who's the cool crowd, who's popular. Am I good enough? I don't think I'm attractive enough. All these things go on. And in normal sane societies, we have parents, churches, schools that deal with this age group and encourage and help them and support them. But this transgender lunatic craze has taken over to where young people who feel a bit of unhappiness and maybe discomfort in their body or not, or wishing they looked, they had somehow different features. Uh, maybe they're really not what they absolutely are. That, that is what has happened. So these uh, great stories, the reason I'm so appreciative of Kelsey Bolar, what she put together at Independent Women's Forum is she's getting these women's stories, these people's stories that started out as a, in the case you're going to watch, I, I shortened down about an eight minute video I still think it's probably like a four minute video. It's pretty, you know, it, it's, I, I try to leave a substance in, but this is a young girl who you'll hear her describe at age 15, she went through transgendering. She transgendered herself, took, you know, drugs of various kinds, um, and then uh, actually went to the point of having mastectomy, uh, double mastectomy, she turned 18, and went, went, and then decided, realized actually, you know, I, I wanna be a woman, I wanna have a baby. Her story is so moving. And at this website, at Independent Women's Forum website, there are many, many videos like this, stories like this, where young women are essentially, part of what happens is they get duped into thinking that there's really, the problem isn't that they're going through a tough age in life, uh, that they maybe have some, some issues about their appearance, or maybe they have other issues going on, but instead, you know, this is all somehow society's fault or their parents' fault or, you know, nature's fault, that they're really just in the wrong body. And they do these things to themselves, which are not 100% reversible. In fact, in many cases, not reversible at all. So I want to share with you this shortened version of one young woman who decided to go through this, decided to go through the process and Independent Women's Forum is doing a stellar job gathering stories, including hers. Um, and I want to play this clip. This is clip two for Mr. Emilio, who's helping me out today on America Can We Talk, clip two. I think once I decided to actually like make permanent changes to my body, I was dedicated to not changing my mind. I knew that there was gonna be certain things that would be irreversible, but I had sort of mentally trained myself to see that as a as a great thing. Like my voice will never go back. Good, awesome. I never want it to. I'm 24 years old. I transitioned in 2015 when I was 17 years old. Was trans for five years, almost exactly, and then started detransitioning in May of 2020 at the age of 22. I wanted to present masculinely all the time. When I turned 18, I learned that I could obtain testosterone through informed consent, which is basically when you go to the clinic and they kind of 
go through all of the possible risks. And in my experience talking to them, they kind of downplayed the risks. They really sort of focused more on the aesthetic changes that I will go through. My voice did deepen because it's really deep for a woman. That just like, you can't change that. Like once the vocal cords thicken, they can't go back. There are also a lot of emotional changes. I would get really angry. I had the urge to like hurt people, which I had never experienced. Yeah, top surgery is a really interesting euphemism that we use to describe a double mastectomy. Like, it's interesting to me that we, even people in the trans community can't call it what it objectively is. I think it's probably because people want to convince others or convince themselves that this surgery is just not a big deal, but it is an incredibly life-altering. When I first started transitioning, I sort of casually knew that I wanted to have kids at some point. At 17 years old, I was thinking that like, oh, that could be when I'm 30. The past like two years of my life have been really wild. Me detransitioning kind of coincided and me meeting my now husband. Yeah, I mean, if you told me two years ago that in 2022, you would be married and pregnant. I just would not, I wouldn't believe you. I had to tell my OB that I used to be trans because I had a double mastectomy and that's relevant to breastfeeding. Like I can't do it. So she kind of was like, in terms of chest feeding, what are your plans for that? Also, what are your pronouns? because you used to be trans. I'm like, yeah, I used to be, not anymore. So I, not playing that pronoun game anymore. You would call me she. Okay, you know, there, which I, I edited out um, a quite a bit what this um, young woman had to say. I mean, it was mind blowing. I can't tell if you can see at the end, but she actually did actually manage to get married and, and have a baby. She hadn't done the, she had the mastectomy, but hadn't altered her reproductive organs. And it turned out, even though she'd taken an enormous amount of um, the, you know, the drugs they give you the uh, to transition, that she was able to transit to, um, to a bear child. And, you know, the, I, first of all, I want to commend that young woman's bravery because I think if you'd gone that, through that kind of experience, I, I would think most adults, most people, you would just be, you know, so horrified by the whole thing and so um, upset by, I, I can't think of the right words, um, that you would just decide, uh, you know, I, I want to live in a hole the rest of my life. I want to stay home the rest of my life. But, you know, but she didn't. She just decided, yeah, I, I'm going to. Um, speak up here. And so this, uh, again, Kelsey Bolar is one we were going to have on today. I don't know. It's, I think we had trouble connecting with her. But in any case, um, I really commend this project that uh, Kelsey Bolar put together, this um, the whole identity crisis thing, because I think that it's one thing to argue, um, 
you know, should schools be doing this? And is it, uh, is it inconsistent with the parents' wishes? Which of course it is. And, and it's outrageous that we have parents finding out later from the schools that they decided to help their child move down the path toward transition. We have parents who've lost custody of their children because the parents didn't go along with the trans agenda and what the child supposedly wanted to do. So this is a, this craze or this path is truly, uh, you know, you can be at a certain point in life and look down and say, what is wrong with these young people? But that young woman we just heard speaking, um, you know, she, I think, I can't remember which portions you heard her say, but she talked about once you uh, take the hormones and transition your voice, you can't get it back. Your your uh, vocal cords, I guess, thicken and they, you can't fix that. So she's always going to have that very, very deep male voice. Um, but I commend her bravery for telling her story. I really commend Independent Women's Forum and Kelsey Bolar because, you know, it's a different between the academic discussion when you're sitting around and, well, it could be true. I mean, there, there are young people in this country, actually intelligent, straight, uh, you know, I mean, people who live on their own, they know what they are, they know what their identity is, who... Um, really believe, I guess it turns out that half the country or, you know, half the people under 40 are not really uh, born in the right body. And they're born into, you know, um, they, they deserve to get, be treated as, as trans and they, they can pick their pronouns and all of that. But telling stories like this, there are a whole host of them on their website. This one I chose, I thought was particularly tender, um, but there are ones about a young woman who really always wanted to be a singer and, but she went through the transition and, and now try to trans back, transition back, and she doesn't have her beautiful singing voice. I mean, that's a, you can say, well, she's alive, but that was, that was like a life dream to be a singer to, and, and I, I, I love that we're telling these stories because we have to take this argument about trans and transgender and all that out of the realm of it's the right of young people, it's the right of people to, and, and the left has molded, morphed this issue into a, you know, um, into a notion, it's a rights issue, like, you know, equal rights for women to get to go to, to, you know, to have equal education and have equal access to employment, which is a rights issue, or for, um, for black Americans and people of color to be treated uh, equally with all other people. These are rights, you know, equal opportunity, equal protection under the law. This whole thing, this idea of transitioning, the left has used the term right. You have the right to live the way, you know, what you really are, and you have the right to decide if you're a boy or a girl, no matter what your body is telling you are. You have the right to impose this on society and tell them what they have to call you. This has nothing to do with the right idea of rights. It is a, you know, for the tiny, minute portion of people, young people have a serious problem with their gender identity, and so they need counseling, you know, great. But the idea we have allowed this craze to develop, this lunatic fad craze, where we are teaching people, young people in schools, the schools are validating for them, yep, this is who you are, you're always going to be this. Um, and um, okay, um, so I'm sorry, I'm watching, getting a note, our, our person is going to have to uh, reschedule today, they could not make the connection work. Okay, anyway, um, so Kelsey Bowler, I wanted to feature her, what they're doing, and I feature, I love their work, and I do encourage, you know, these kind of stories, they make a difference between an abstract argument, as the left always does, they contort the argument, call people deniers or mean or selfish or hater if they won't just go along with the trans agenda, uh, but this actually um, is a pretty... Uh, 
it, it, they're pretty powerful videos, and I really commend independent women for putting them out. So check out their website um, and the stories and the videos and share them with your friends. I was actually thinking while I was preparing today's show, you know, I, ha- I know young people who are, you know, they're out of college and they're very bright and they have great degrees and great jobs, but they grew up in an era where they were told in school that the whole transgender, you know, um, movement was real and that everyone who claims they really are male or female, they really are. And so to get to shake them off of that, because to, to help them see this is the movement that is just, you know, the, the people who benefit, the pharmaceutical companies, the doctors engaging in the surgery, and also at the deepest level, the Marxist movement in this country, the Marxist movement in this country, which is working forever to break down family, to destroy the role of the family. And the whole identity of parents and families getting sideways and young people feeling the state is helping me, my parents aren't, I don't like my church. All this destruction of society is actually helping the Marxist left in their ongoing takedown of America. Very quickly for our, our listeners on uh, radio, we're going to go off to a break. This is America Can We Talk. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org to hear the whole show. You have a three-minute break. Come right back as we'll be right here talking. Okay, um, so I want to um, urge you again on this um, upcoming shows to mark your calendar and tell your friends to tune in to these amazing shows we have coming up in this next week and next couple weeks, because really we're, we're at a pivotal, pivotal crisis point in this country. It is nothing less than absolute crisis point in this country. And to have some sense of how serious things are is really, really important. So as I mentioned, we're going to have um, tomorrow, Simone Gold, uh, the entire legal and medical system gone lunatic. Um, and now she's dealing with these attacks on America's frontline doctors and her. And I can just tell you from knowing her for a long time, um, she's a wonderful person. And th- these allegations are absurd. Um, and then on Thursday, of course, Kevin Freeman, you want to understand uh, what the ESG movement really means, what this whole FTX and Ukraine thing is, um, and also ESG. See, there's just a ton going on. And then do not forget on Thursday, December 1st, we're going to have Dr. Kelly Ward, the chair of the Arizona GOP. Come on, tell us what's going on there, which is crazy what's going on there. So back to our our next topic. I do want to turn to the Carrie Lake story and just tell you um, briefly, um, I think I call this uh, Arizona. No, yeah, Arizona's uh, Carrie Lake defeated not so fast. I just want to mention a few things about what has happened in this race. I played, I think, yesterday on the show. There were many, many. So they just declared last night that they were finally done counting. And turns out who knew Katie Hobbs, you know, who was very much like Joe Biden in the uh, 2020 presidential election, hit out in her home, would not do debate, wouldn't do any debate with Carrie Lake, talks like a like a teenager valley girl, so unintelligent sounding, backed by George Soros, get into her job because George Soros funded her. So the new governor of Arizona, former Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, funded by George Soros, in charge as Secretary of State of election integrity, they had a debacle of an election with reams of videos out there, affidavits being collected. Another friend of mine in Arizona who's a state senator is sending me links today. You should see all the affidavits. People are trying to say, I went to vote, and these are, to be really clear, what the all of the breakdown of the system happened in Maricopa County, heavily Republican and 
Everyone knows who pays any attention to elections that Democrats vote early. Historically, Democrats vote early and Republicans vote on election day. This is just how it's been. So all the equipment and machinery that were just fine during early voting, somehow they got to election day. And in Maricopa County, 30% of the precincts had their tabulators not working. So people show up to vote. The line is lengthy because they can't move people along. People can cast their vote. They can, I'm sorry, they can enter their ballot, they can fill out their ballot, get their ballot and to put it into the system to be tabulated and the tabulators wouldn't work, kept spitting them back. We actually have now a woman in Arizona um, a um, who was a precinct chair, I'm sorry, she was an election judge, a woman election judge who is stepping out named Michelle Swinnick, who's saying she actually believes the machines were programmed to reject ballots because she said the very same machines, they worked perfectly the night before and get to election day and can't get them to work. So, and the people were being told when they had filled out their ballots, they've got their ballot in their hand, they know who they voted for, but they can't put it in the tabulator. Don't worry, put it over here in this pile. We'll, we'll put it in later. And I know that uh, the Arizona GOP chair, Dr. Kelly Ward, and others were saying, uh, don't, don't leave your ballot in a pile and trust them. Don't do it, don't leave, don't get out of line, don't do it because they don't trust the elections in Arizona. Who could trust the elections in Arizona? So they have this one election judge speaking up um, and, and just just saying, you know, this is the entire system was such a debacle. Uh, the media, again, to, to you know, so you know the numbers, uh, Katie Hobbs allegedly won 50.41% of the vote and Carrie Lake 49.59. And back to my analogy of Trump and Biden in 2020, Carrie Lake, massive rallies. I mean, I can tell you, she came to Texas and they had a, we went to a fundraiser for her, my husband and I did, and they had to cut off RSVPs because the place, an enormous place, couldn't fit any more people. An enormous home, a lovely home in Dallas, couldn't fit any more people. So she has enormous rallies, big following. Let me just uh, tell you, um, this is an important thing to understand just too about the, um, size of the uh, following on social media. I'll find it quickly to tell you because another just indicator, you have to be, you know, you just have your head in the sand um, and just unwilling to deal with the facts to think it's possibly, that it's possible that um, this Katie Hobbs smarmy little, um, you know, valley girl won't debate. She gave idiot, wouldn't even talk to Carrie Lake, hid out in her basement, much like Biden. Um, and she allegedly won. And, you know, I'll hear the numbers very quickly. Lake social media presence and followers over 10 times the number of Katie Hobbs. More than a million more people following um, following Carrie Lake than following Katie Hobbs. But don't worry, I'm sure Katie really won. So what's happening now in Arizona, and I love these kind of things, a group of citizens have banded together and they are trying to call for a new legitimate midterm election on December 6th. They want to do over on the entire election on December 6th. I don't know if they'll possibly get it, but these are the kinds of things that have to happen because I'm telling you, it isn't just Carrie Lake allegedly not winning the governor's race. It's the Senate race. It's the secretary of state race. It's lieutenant governor race. All of these people, 
all these people somehow, who knew the Democrats snuck by? It is so weird. And the people of Arizona know. I'll tell you one factor in Arizona that is, I think, a, a big one here. So in Arizona, historically, the Republican Party was represented by John McCain in the U.S. Senate for, I don't know, like 100 years or something stupid. He was there forever. And John McCain was, I mean, God bless his service. Thank you for service in Vietnam. And I'm very sorry about the suffering he, that you know happened to him as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. But that does not make him immune from wrongdoing. John McCain went out of his way. He was a nasty and maverick kind of senator just go out of his way to take a jab at people because he could, because he had the power. Very moderate, did not just hated the Tea Party, very ruling class, um, condescending, unpleasant man. And when, when uh, the current GOP chair in Arizona, Kelly Ward, who is a Tea Party leader, she's a total conservative, you know, got right on board with the Trump agenda. Um, it was just palpable that the John McCain, not just John McCain personally, but his followers, his little cabal, his ruling class Republican mindset people in Arizona did not want to have Kelly Ward win a primary and did not want her to end up serving, uh, representing the people of the of Arizona in the U.S. Senate. I mean, that stench of the old McCain ruling class condescension, hates the people, hates the peasants, hates the little people. He's very much a, a uniparty guy in Washington, very much a ruling class uniparty guy. And so I, I think a lot of that mindset is still in Arizona. I think the people who hold levers of power, you know, not just the high level people you could name as elected officials, but people who kind of control things behind the scenes. There's a lot of that John, Matt, John McCain you know, maverick is not even a fair word. Maverick can be kind of a fun word, like you're a kind of a maverick, you know, you like unusual hobbies or something. Can You can be a maverick. He went out of his way to be, to, to defeat what the people wanted because he could. When he turned down the, uh, you know, the health care bill, uh, that was about it for me. Anyway, so the Patriots in Arizona are calling for a new midterm on December 6th. I don't know if that'll happen, but I hope the movement gains steam. And I don't think that Carrie Lake is going to give up as easily as most of the other Republicans who got defeated in this midterm, because the defeat that happened at the hands of the, um, you know, at this most recent uh, election cycle, it changed a lot. It's going to tie in well to what I'm going to talk about in this last segment today, uh, which basically has to do uh, with Biden and where our country's headed. The reason the midterms mattered so very much is because the patriots in this country who overwhelmingly elected Donald Trump in 2020, but got saddled with, stuck with the stolen election, stuck with Biden running the country, which is really Obama term three, his, his third term in office, got saddled with all of what the left is doing in this country because at the the first two years of the Biden administration, of course, they, the Democrats had a very, you know, holding on by the fingertips, but still had majority in the House and the Senate. They could control legislation. And so, and you've seen extraordinary change in America just in these two years. You have an actual federal agency spewing out bulletins announcing that people aren't allowed to talk about things that the left doesn't like, or else you might be a domestic terrorist. 
This is the Department of Homeland Security said it about people who won't agree with the government's COVID policy, people who will not agree about election 2020, election integrity, actually threatened with being labeled a terrorist by their own government. You've had the Biden administration, the utter collapse of southern border, the invasion of southern border. You've had the loss of our energy independence almost overnight. Recall at the end of the Trump presidency, we were energy independent. We were exporting energy. Now we are not, we are not energy. We are energy dependent. We have a, a, a ravaged fossil fuel industry, a ravaged energy industry. We have high gas costs, high inflation costs. The economy is out of control. We have issue after issue after issue in America where everyone's looking around. And, and we have, of course, this transgenderism since we're on that subject today, the trans issue front and center on the Biden administration uh, trying to force schools uh, to hold on to federal funding. You have to let uh, boys use the girls' locker room because that's, of course, what any high school boy would probably love to do is get to go use uh, the girls' locker room. Why wouldn't they? They're you know, young boys. In any case, you have the Biden administration doing everything the American people does not want to happen. They do not want any of it. And so we had this opportunity in 2022 at the midterms to see who we could put back in charge in Washington in the majority of the House and the Senate. We had a very significant likelihood based on all the polling that we saw that we were going to actually have a real takeover, a real takeover of the Senate and the House by the Republicans, which the voters said in poll after poll they wanted because they want to stop the Biden agenda. They want him to stop. They want it stopped. But, you know, we all saw what happened. I mean, we have a few um, elections yet unsettled. We're going to find out in Georgia in early December who's going to represent uh, one of the two seats um, in the U.S. Senate from Georgia. We have the Alaska situation, although both of them are Republican, but uh, Murkowski's not really Republican. She's she's John Maverick in a dress. You know, she's just foolish. Um, and, and the other one who was endorsed by Trump. But a lot of what the midterms were targeting uh, in the view of many was uh, there was a manipulation in many ways. I, I think outright fraud explains a lot of the outcome. But there was also a concerted effort by many in the established Republican class to do what they could in the midterms to assure that Donald Trump would not run for president again, or that Donald Trump would at least look bad. So they tried to have the election denier term become the trendy thing like Holocaust denier or climate denier, that the idea that anyone, anyone would challenge the elections was an election denier and therefore not credible and probably half crazy as a matter of fact. That was the whole agenda. So you had the you had uh, election um, manipulation by whoever it is that, that manipulates elections, did in 2020, did again in 2022. You had much of the establishment class perfectly happy to make Donald Trump look bad in the 2022 midterms because they were trying to say, you know, who he endorses ends up losing, which is not true. I don't have the stats in front of me. I can, I'll get them tomorrow or something. But, you know, he still had a huge... Donald Trump had a huge track record of success, but the uniparty in Washington, the Democrats and Republicans, want more than anything else to keep Donald Trump out of the White House in 24 because he exposes all of them. This is the great thing about Donald Trump. He didn't really have allegiance to the Republican Party as 
just keeping them in power. He had allegiance to America and the ideas of America. And he did policies and policy positions and executive orders and speeches, all pumping up the idea of America. This is why he's popular with the American citizens, because still a majority of Americans wanted it. Back to 22 midterms, uh, 2022 midterms, um, there were a lot of factors at play. In fact, I have a media interview tomorrow morning talking about all the different um, factors that were in play uh, that caused the outcome of 2022. Uh, I still see number one cause is fraud. Uh, number two, yes, there was, there was a lot of action behind the scene on the part of establishment Republicans, including especially uh, Mitch McConnell, um, who just more than anything else wants to keep Trump out of office? Just and so and, and so, you know, where it gets me, I'm, I'm going to turn in, to uh, Biden in, in one moment. But where it gets me to is, we need in this country to decide that we are going. You know, there's talk about we have to, you know, we have to get rid of the GOP, get rid of the Republican Party, get a new party. And you know, that's just too dangerous. It's too dangerous to form a third party. I think the reality is the mass of voters in this country who vote Republican, they're the populist-minded, the pro-America, the pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-strong military, pro-national security, you know, pro-border, pro-freedom, free markets, pro-capitalism. That is the vast majority of voters that make up the Republican Party. We just have the leaders of the party who don't listen to those voters. That is what happens. And so we have, it's true in Texas, I'm sorry to report our Governor Abbott falls in that category. But you look into Washington, D.C., and you do have, you know, Ronna McDaniel is going to run again. She wants to run again as a head of the RNC. We need to have a populist uprising that tries to push her out, push her out of power. If you can't win an election in the minds, given how outraged the vast majority of Americans are at what Biden is doing to this country, then you don't deserve another chance as chair of the RNC. Ronald McDaniel needs to go. Many state chairs of the Republican parties, many county party chairs, they need to go. We need to get the leadership of the Republican party on track with the hearts and minds of the vast majority, the voting base of the Republican party, which is populist, pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-First Amendment, pro-free speech. We want America, the real America. That's who the populist voters are for. So we'll find out tonight, by the way, I guess everyone knows, uh, Donald Trump has announced he's making an announcement tonight. Many people speculating. He's likely to announce he's running for president again. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but whatever he announces, we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, but, you know, he's people get frustrated. Why is he so popular uh, with the base? Why can he still bring out all these every time he goes anywhere? And it's because he's not pushed around by politics. He's not playing the uniparty game. He's not trying to keep, you know, the centrist. He is just standing up for America and his ideas, Trump's ideas, these populist ideas. These are not far right. Don't let the media or the left or the uniparty tell you that if you believe in, I don't know, securing borders, in healthcare freedom, in freedom from COVID vaccine mandates, if you believe in free markets, that you're some far-right extremist. This is what the left has done to America, the kind of through gaslighting, succeed in having people believe that they really, they, they're a little bit afraid of being labeled as far-right because I don't, I don't wanna be a far-right. You're not. If you believe in the ideas, the MAGA agenda, whether it is Trump as president or somebody else, 
It's the MAGA agenda that is the American agenda, and that is Main Street, Main Street, Apple Pie America. And that's what the people want. They didn't get the outcome they want in the 2022 midterms. Many factors. My view is top factor was absolute election fraud. But beyond that, you had the left pushing very hard to scare voters, and you had the uniparty in Washington, and I mean by that Democrats and Republicans, doing everything they could think of behind the scenes to make Donald Trump look weak and bad, to get people around to thinking we can't have him as president again. So that was a long ramble on this third segment. I just can't tell you how important I think all of this is. This Arizona, the Kerry Lake, um, you know, that is symbolic, this claim they defeated her is really kind of a signal. See, we were, we defeated Donald Trump. People didn't like her. She's an election denier. You know, I don't think so. Okay. One last story. And I'm going to tell you before I do this. <coughs> so sorry, excuse me. Before I do this, um, I want to urge you, if you listen, or however you listen to the show, to go to our website more often, americachemitalk.org. Quick things to do at the website. I want to urge you at the website to, number one, watch the show live at the website. Number two, you can, at the website, uh, sign up for our newsletter. We have a once-a-week newsletter. Just right on the homepage, it says subscribe. You put your email in, and you'll be on the list. So subscribe to the newsletter. Consider donating to this show. This show is listener-supported. I've been doing it for almost nine years, um, and uh, it is, I've never been paid anything. I do this literally out of love of America and wanting to keep America safe, free, strong, everything is supposed to be. My husband points out that I work harder at this than I ever did when I was a litigator in California, which is a true story. I work harder, longer hours, uh, writing, speaking, doing this show. Um, and so I would love your support. It's expensive to do this show. Love your support. You make a donation on americachemitalk.org. You can also join americachemitalk.org. We'd love to have you do that. Um, and um, you can also there just read our website, our blog, our, our you know, the feature we have in every show, uh, why it matters. You can read all sorts of stuff there. So I'd love to have you do that. Um, tune in to americachemitalk.org. Go there uh, and share it with your friends. The show really does grow by people sharing the show. So um, I want to say um, there's a, um, a weird clip. I, I, I called this last segment something about um, Biden. And I'm just going to, I think I'll play the clip for it. I called it Biden, Biden's and the, um, the, I'm not misspelling the word Asian there, A-S-E-A-N. Uh, this was a, a summit that happened recently. Uh, it is the Association of so Southeast Asian Nations. Association of Southeast Asian Nations. This is a summit that Biden went to um, along with Justin Trudeau of Canada. And I want to play a clip of these two at the summit before I tell you why it is so outrageous what they did. But if you can, please, this is clip three, Mr. Emilio. Okay, you can cut them off. You can cut them off. Okay. That is the President of the United States and Justin Trudeau of Canada showing up at an Asian summit. Asian countries, including China, dressed in Chairman Mao jackets. Chairman Mao, the brutal, murderous chairman of the CCP in China, who 
presided over the death, the murders of millions of Chinese people, Chairman Mao made that jacket famous. He, I mean, it was known as the Chairman Mao jacket, the whole, the cut of it, the look of it. And so he made, and was symbolic of Chinese Communist Party oppression and, and brutality. And, you know, this is the cultural revolution. The term used uh, by Chairman Mao, it sounds really nice. Like, oh, we're going to refresh our culture and learn our traditional songs. No, it was the murder, the murder and just not just the murder of millions of people, but it was a whole infliction on the Chinese people of a society where they're turned in by their neighbors, children turning in parents, afraid of the government. This was a very, very, very oppressive, horrible time. And so Chairman Mao, symbolizing Chinese Communist Party oppression, and these two show up at the Asian summit and make a dramatic, aren't we so cool, we dress in Chairman Mao jackets. Now, the best, the best excuse to give them is that they are complete idiots, Biden and Trudeau, that they thought somehow, hey, that'll be cool, we'll dress up like Chairman Mao, that will send a signal, I mean, that we're just really being culturally friendly. That, that's the best explanation. It is childish and is it is absurd, but it's, it's not even, it, it's, it is like something a fourth grader would think of. But the worst and far more likely, in fact, I think almost uh, without question, it's a signal. The Biden administration, they are very, very friendly toward the Chinese Communist Party. He's sending a signal of, hey man, I'm with you. You know, we love the CCP. We're with you guys. Yeah, it is a signal. I mean, Trudeau is just a an adolescent who got elected because people thought he was cute. That's about who he is. He's just so unserious. But Biden is the president of the free world, president of the United States, at a time when China is our number one enemy in the world. Our number one enemy in the world. The enemy, as you, if you listen to my summit, if you came to our summit, or if later you went and listened to all of our summit speeches, which you still can do at AmericanCanWeTalk.org, listen to Gordon Chang's speech, listen to Sam Faddis's speech. China has absolute totalitarian agenda mission. The CCP actually is not thinking maybe in 30, 40, or 50 years they might do this, they are actively engaged as we speak in a war against America with the effort to take down America. There's no exaggeration. It is not like, it is not uh, ideologically abstract. They are engaged, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, in a war of takedown of America. The last thing Biden should be doing is sending any signal of submission, of friendliness, of commonality. It is outrageous that he would show up dressed like that. And you know, people in the media will say, oh, but you know, he was just trying to be friendly. This is, this is very similar to when Barack Obama came on board as president and among his first trips, not to America's allies or anyone who's actually, you know, works with us, but to Muslim-majority countries, where he was bowing to not one, but several Muslim leaders in Muslim-majority countries, fully aware, fully aware of what Sharia is, of what the obligation of jihad is, of what the mission of Islamic jihadists is. So the leader of the free world, America, Obama, shows up in these countries and bows 
he bowed to all of them, to these Islamic leaders who are inherently, we may have to have a relationship with those countries, but we don't signal submission. That was taken, and we had experts on my show at the time talking about this, taken as a signal by those Islamic leaders back then by Obama. And trust me, this is taken by us as a signal by the CCP, by the North Korean leaders, by every oppressive communist in this world. Wow, Biden is right with us. And friends, he is. He is. Joe Biden is not batting on our team. He is not making decisions with the hearts and minds and mission and protection of the American people as his primary mission. It is a, we've talked about in the show enough, but this is a very overt signal by Biden. Very, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in charge and the world's going to do what I say and I'm going to show up in, at this um, Asian summit dressed like Chairman Mao. Uh, people, it's disgraceful. There should be many, many more people in this country denouncing him, denouncing him doing that. Um, before we quick go off, uh, we have our listeners on radio. We have just a minute or two. Again, thank you for listening on Brighton Radio. Please go to americacanwetalk.org. Also, for your holiday shopping coming up, please, please consider going to MyPillow.com. Very quickly tell you, MyPillow.com is a sponsor of this show. They have great quality items. Everything we have purchased from that company, we love. My husband, I have a lot of things from that company. Go to MyPillow.com, do your Christmas shopping, and then as you're checking out, they ask you promo code, put in DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG, and get a discount up to 66%, plus I get a small payment, helps keep this show alive and kicking. So I love talking to you today as it happens at the end of every, so again, mypillow.com, put in Debbie G at the promo code, uh, do all your Christmas shopping right there. You'll be able to, you'll love it. I'll love it. Um, and your family will love it. So, um, I close out every show by telling you, um, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we'll start our stories today. We talked about Texas Governor Abbott finally declares an invasion at the southern border. Carrie Lake had been promoting this action for months in her campaign for Arizona governor. Abbott is never the leader, but often a good follower. This is a right action for the Times. Declaration of invasion opens up legal powers not otherwise available under the Constitution. Takes away federal government preemptive power with border enforcement. And I meant to elaborate on that point when I was speaking it to you, but this will make many Supreme Court precedents that otherwise uh, have actions taken by governors where the Supreme Court said, no, that's a primary constitutional authority for the border uh, goes to the um, U.S. government. This action, the, the means by which Governor Abbott made this declaration, takes those precedents away. They're not applicable. Allows more aggressive state policing, deportation of illegal entrants, yes please, allows bo uh, building of the wall in affected areas, push the lie to Biden's claim of secure border, I mean just so absurd, um, and if Biden admits administration wants to stop Texas state action, we'll have to prove there is that there is no invasion, which of course they cannot prove. Um, Abbott, not viable as presidential candidate, believe me, unless he shows results securing the border. Abbott's follow-up actions will be critical. Is he serious? Arizona's Kerry Lake defeated? Not so fast. 2022 steal of Arizona governor's election is obvious, far more obvious than the 2020 steal of the presidential election. Lake rallies are huge. Hobbs rallies almost non-existent. 
Lake social media presences and followers, over 10 times that of Hobbs, over a million more people follow Carrie Lake than Katie Hobbs. Hobbs refused debates, universally criticized, Hobbs plainly an unimpressive, lightweight, but Soros-funded Arizona's GOP's heritage, dominated by McCain, determined to stamp out Lake's MAGA populism. Hard to predict the how, but the Arizona election is so over-the-top fraudulent, with an in-your-face disdain for Arizona voters not likely to stand, new election to be ordered is the question, and actually the question the citizens are already asking. And on Biden's Asian summit stunt, Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau wear Mao suits at the Asian summit. Biden's handlers likely make the decisions for him. What are they thinking? Funny? In a country openly at war with America? Mocking slap to America over the Hunter Biden corruption. I mean, Biden is, and the corruption is over the top, and he's right in your face mocking you for knowing about it. A signal of where they want America to go? Under CCP rule, Biden and the leftist cabal believe they are invincible, stealing elections at will, stealing elections at will, pursuing the agenda of destruction, kill U.S. energy, open borders, eviscerate the military, weaponize the FBI and the DOJ while defunding and demoralizing the police. Is a reckoning coming? What will Trump say in his announcement tonight? And that... My very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today? Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America.